Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Woj Pod. Get the inside scoop on all the biggest NBA news as the biggest names in the game join ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, featuring in-depth conversations, breaking news reaction and analysis, and coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar. The playoffs are starting here quickly. Be sure to check it out. Follow The Woj Pod as well as The Hoop Collective wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA Play-In Tournament is happening May 18th through the 21st. It's a new, exciting twist to determine who makes the playoffs in both conferences. The number 7 through 10 place teams are vying for the 7th and 8th spots. Some teams are currently playing to avoid the tournament, while others are desperately trying to get in. At the end of the regular season, the number 7 and 8 teams square off with the winner getting into the number 7 seed. The loser plays the winner of the game between the 9 and 10 teams. And the winner of that game clinches the last spot, the eighth seed. ESPN is your home for all the drama. Wednesday, May 19th and Friday, May 21st. The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, one of the University of North Texas's finest products, Van McMahon. I would be upset, but I know you're only ranking Mean Joe Green above me. So uh, I'll, I'll take that back in and come and be howdy partners. One of them. <laughs> I, heard, I heard number two. One of St. Bonaventure's better journalism yeah. graduates really mm-hmm. i mean there's a number of them that's definitely that's definitely the right that's definitely the right uh, how about um, how about we rephrase it like this one of saint bonaventure's journalism graduates tim that qualifies. From Boston. that qualifies hello guys um, was your gpa or your blood alcohol content higher during your saint bonaventure's <laughs> tenure depend depend depended on the day <laughs> Those are long winners in only in the yeah, that's, that's right. I had to stay warm somehow. Yeah. Um, so kind of upsetting news. Uh, it's, it, you know, he, obviously he was out from like the moment he went to Miami, but Victor Oladipo, the Heat announced this week, the Victor Oladipo has decided to get a surgery on his quad tendon, which is the same injury that he had, um, uh, in in the, knocked him out for over a year with the Pacers, and uh, I got this was just a disaster uh, of mm-hmm. a of a tr- you know the, the Heat got him for so cheap that I don't necessarily think it's like set them back. Although Kelly Olenek, who they sent over there, has played really well for the Rockets. It's hard to to yeah. know whether that's just because somebody has to get the stats. Um, the Heat are doing very well, and are, I think are a dangerous team to see in the first round. Um, but they get nothing out of that guy. And, and uh, you know, they haven't announced it, but there's a good chance Oladipo is going to miss all of next season. He's going to be a free agent. I don't know if anybody will sign him. Um, and this is remarkable on a couple of fronts, McMahon, because if you remember going into the bubble last summer, he initially opted out because mm-hmm. he didn't feel healthy enough. And then he realized he was going to cost himself millions of dollars and then he changed his mind and he played okay in the bubble then he passed his physical when he uh you know got traded to houston and then passed his physical when he got traded to miami 
but he was obviously worried for a while about that injury. And then he stepped wrong and blew it out again. And this is just, you know, for a guy who's going to be a free agent and it, you know, I think got offered a pretty healthy extension by the Pacers a year ago. Well, and even the Rockets, you know, they, oh, they, and right. they kinda, it was a half hearted. We know he's not going to take this type of thing, but they offered him 45 mil over two years. And, and listen, I don't know if Victor Oladipo is going to make 45 million the rest of his career. Um, this is a devastating, devastating injury. Yeah. And, you know, for, from, for the Heat, I really don't think they have any major regret about the trade. Um, you know, they were bringing in Ariza anyway, so he was going to take a Linux minutes and that's a better fit for them in terms of the, the style that they want to play. And this was all about getting an up close, you know, kind of trial period type of look, uh, at Oladipo, you know, they'll move back, you know, a half dozen spots or whatever it ends up being to, to Brooklyn's pick next year. Um, so you know, it makes sense. I think it made sense for them just on a trial period type of basis. Uh, and it made sense for the Rockets to take whatever they could get. And they, it turns out, you know, Olenek might be a guy who who sticks around Houston for a while. Um, but, again, I don't think this is any kind of like, whoa, egg on the Heat's face. Because the whole thing was, hey, this might be a long-term fit. It might not. But how better to know than if we have him in our building, uh, you know, in our rotation. Unfortunately for him, in the end, the rotation part only lasted four games. Yeah, no question. I mean, this was a total free roll for the Heat. I mean, you mentioned Trevor Ariza. They also got Nemanja Bialica from the Kings. So really, mm-hmm. they they really replaced everything. Right. I mean, they replaced everything they would have in Kelly Olynyk. Um, and, and so moving on from him and Avery Bradley, this was a total free roll. And if Victor Oladipo is good for them, then great. They got a, a high upside guy to throw in the rotation in the playoffs. And if he got hurt or wasn't good, they have Kendrick Nunn, who has been better than Victor Oladipo really over the course of the season. And I think they've been better off since Victor left the lineup from an encore perspective and being here in Boston, this situation, I can't help but think about Isaiah Thomas. And it's a very similar setup where, you know, Victor had a couple of great years, one in particular with the Pacers and, you know, then he gets hurt and he's never got back to that level again. And now after this injury, like you said, Tim, I mean, this feels like a similar thing to Isaiah who got hurt at the end of uh, a contract that was, um, that was under market value for his play. Obviously, Victor is making more than Isaiah, but he never got a chance to cash in on that. And certainly with the way Victor played before he got hurt and now that he's gotten hurt again, it's just really hard to see a path to him uh, getting a a big contract like that again, barring him coming back and playing like he did before. And that's a real shame because he, you know, like I, you know, Brian and I were at that game seven for Pacers uh, Cavs in Cleveland uh, in the first round in 2018. And you, you felt like Victor was, kind of ascending to a, you know, a guy who was going to be an all NBA caliber player for the next few years and be part of a, a pretty interesting Pacers team. And it just, everything has gone sideways for him since then. And it's a shame. Speaking of the Rockets, um, Tilma Fertitta, the owner gave you a tremendous interview for a story that you wrote this week, McMahon. Will you, um, for anybody who didn't read it, uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you, give uh, the listeners the lead quote from that story? Uh, Anybody who hasn't read it should go read it. It was an excellent story with some great quotes. I don't want to misquote, so let me get it in front of me real quick. I never thought I could feel this good after winning only 16 games. And, you know, the, the, the gist of that is basically he feels like they they're, the future of the franchise will be bright. He has come to terms with the, I mean, harsh realization that the Rockets are absolutely in the early stages of a rebuilding period. 
obviously that's not what they want. But just to kind of pull back the curtain, um, you know, the, the right, I don't know if you guys remember when Steven Silas had that press conference, I think it was after their 19th straight loss. Oh, I remember. Where, boy, I mean, it, it looked like his dog had just been run over. And, it, you know, it was, it's clear just how much all the twists and turns and gut punches of the season had taken a toll on him. Uh, somebody from their, their ownership group reached out to me and basically like, hey, you know, we want to, to you know, make sure that we are publicly supporting Steven. Uh, let's talk tomorrow about, you know, doing something that would, you know, indicate that we are fully behind him. So this isn't like some sudden, like they, they want to make sure that they've expressed that they're confident in their guy. You know, they have faith in him. They believe in him. And then they won that night and they were like, yeah, the, the timing's weird. Let's revisit. So, you know, obviously with the season wrapping down, I reached out and said, hey, this, if you're going to, you know, if you want to do it, let's do it. And then they also said, listen, we absolutely want to do that. We also want to make sure that we're supporting Rafael Stone because same type of support and belief. And, you know, obviously people are going to have their opinions of this. You know, it, it's uh, for a team with the worst record in the league, for the owner to come across or Giddy is, you know, a, a, a little unique, I will say. Um, but his point was he has no regrets about the moves they made this year going dating back to hiring Steven. Um, you know, obviously they didn't want to trade Harden, but they feel like there's a bright future with the understanding of <laughs> it ain't next year, probably ain't the year after it. There's going to be some significant patience required, especially if the ping pong balls don't work out their way. And we've talked about that a lot. I do not believe they have a bright future. Um, now if their situation can change, they could win the lottery, but, um, I think we've got gigantic flashing red lights. I think we've got the coach who was highly respected saying, I'm out of here. We got the superstar player, two of them for different reasons, kind mm -hmm. of, but the superstar player saying, I want out of here. You got the CEO, Tad Brown, who'd been there for 20 years saying, I'm out of here. Uh, you got uh, an owner saying, I never thought I would be so happy to win 16 games. He mentioned in that story that they were 11 and 10 at one point this year. Yeah. Which, which, which Bontemps uh, noted to me in a text. He was like, They are well, now 5 and 44 since they were 11 and 10. 5 and 44. And, and listen, this, wasn't a, this was not a planned tank. Their hope all along was to be competitive. Injuries hit. And, you know, this is this is what happened. You know, NBA record 29 play. I mean, they've got dudes on hardship 10 days that are right into the rotation and playing starters uh, minutes right now. And, and they almost beat the Lakers JV last night doing it. That was a fun game. That was a fun game, that Rockets-Lakers <laughs> game. That was a really fun game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the, the re and, you know, injuries hit. I, I get all that. I will also say, if John Wall and Eric Gordon are your starting guards, injuries might hit. <laughs> you know that, that's kind of oh, that's right. kind of part of it. And you know, as much as they want to express optimism about about Wall moving forward, I think we all understand it's a it's a matter of if or, or when, not if the buyout talks heat up with him. You can't do it. Ninety two million left, but when there's forty seven left on his last year, you know, I mean. That sort of thing. Like, can they tr can they get something for Gordon in the trade market this offseason? We'll see about that. And then, really, if if we want to, we can talk about. They do have some nice young core guys potentially. Christian Wood, 
Kevin Porter well, that- Jr., if they can keep him out of the strip clubs. Jay Sean Tate, Kenyon Martin Jr., great little undrafted late second-round finds. The Rockets' future is directly tied to uh, uh, betting against Brooklyn's long-term future. That, that That's all this comes down to. Right. Well, and I, the question I have for you, Tim, not that we, you know, I don't know if like, we want to talk about the Rockets for an hour the week before the playoffs, but the, the one question I have about their offseason is, isn't this the summer to trade Christian Wood? I know he was a really good um, success story for them as a signing, getting him on that three-year, I think, $42 million deal. He's, he's played really well this year. But with only two years left on that deal, and given where their team is, doesn't it make sense to try to get more stuff for him? than to have him around next year on a team that's clearly not going to be very good? I mean, I, I understand that argument. Um, you know, I do think a lot of what makes sense for the Rockets, hey, if they win the lottery, they're getting Cade Cunningham, and you think he can be a, you know, not that he's the same exact player, but a LaMelo Ball type of impact player right away. Sure, then you, you pair know, him with Christian Wood and you, yeah, and you roll along. Yeah. Right, but I understand what you're saying. I, I, I would also say I would be surprised if that happens just because, you know, we can talk about this makes sense, that makes sense. When you get down to it, there is always pride involved that they're uh-huh. and and look, I mean, Chris. How many Wood how the, many moves how many moves are they happy about? Now, granted, the Brooklyn pick may turn into. I just named four. You know, they are happy about Christian Wood. They are happy about the flyer they took on Kevin Porter Jr. for literally nothing. They're happy about Jay Sean Tate as an undrafted. They're happy about buying their way into the late second round to pick Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, but I mean, those are all, yeah. those are all one singles. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. may be something, but don't declare victory on that yet. I would advise I, you. I understand. Well, I mean you, but I mean in general. Yeah, he, he could end up being a long foul ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, ground ball singles, whatever. Um, uh, their trend is horrible. And um, the karma from the injuries maybe that helps them keep their pick because as a reminder, um, if their pick falls in the top four, they get to hold on to it and use it. If it falls out of the top four, they, the um, Oklahoma city thunder can swap it with the Miami heats pick, which the heat are, I think right now, like 18 or 19. Yeah. It's like late teens or 20. See, they're going to be, they're either going to give up the worst. They're either going to keep their pick or give up the worst pick they could possibly give up. It's a, it's an all or nothing scenario for them. It's going to be pretty interesting. Which by the way, the thunder. Oh boy. Are very happy with this situation. First of all, they they are no longer called the thunder, not until at least next year. They are now the Oklahoma, (laughs) the Oklahoma city tanker. Let me just say the Oklahoma city thunder, um, have run the most incredible tank I can ever remember. Uh, we talked about it with Royce Young earlier this week. And they're not as bad as the Rockets. Uh, I just want to point that out. Um, this <laughs> is the they, best they, case. They scenario. have been since they've been all in on the tank. Well, that's true. Um, uh, the Thunder are just fine with this position because uh, the bad news for the Thunder, the good news for the Rockets is if that pick swap does not happen this year say the rockets mm-hmm. get the top four it doesn't carry over it just dissipates right this was this the, was the throw in oh this won't matter here go ahead party favored part of the rust trade well there's no such thing as a party favor in nba trades um, <laughs> as we see we see it all the time but um um 
so they have their pick the next two years. So uh, free and clear. So it, they've they've got a green light to just straight tank for those two years um, and get their pick. Uh, so, but the reason the Thunder are okay with this is, as, as McMahon just said, uh, the Rockets have a 52% chance of being in the top four. Uh, one of those four picks, 14% chance for uh, number one. Um, if they get the 48%, then they can do no worse than fifth. Um, which means that the Thunder will have the fifth pick and, Considering all of the uh, assets that the Thunder have, and considering that they're gonna, that they're gonna have probably a fifty-two percent chance of being in the top yeah. four themselves, they love those odds. I mean, the Thunder could end up with one in five in this draft. There's yes. a there's a more than you know there's at least a decent chance of that happening. You know, yes. our buddy Matt Moore from uh, the Action Network, Hardwood Proxism, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly on Twitter. After the third quarter, uh, when the Thunder were playing the, the Kings at a night, he tweets. Just an absolutely incredible job by OKC in the third. Up against it, 14-point lead, season's goal on the line, and they showed up and got outscored 41-18 in the third. <laughs> That's Oklahoma City. That was a, that was a McMahon-level tweet, that tweet from Matt Moore. I would have expected that to come from your account. I was impressed. Uh, yeah. Listen, I know they're sensitive about the tank Ola they've, they've pulled off up there. They, they would like that to fly under the national radar, but – here comes, I mean, a couple top five picks is the potential payoff, and you can't blame them. This has been tremendous execution. Yeah. So, um, I, I, by the way, let me just say, I'm, I'm, I'm taking some shots at them, but I commend Tillman Fertitta for speaking on the record. He is one of the owners who does speak on the record regularly. Um, I think some of the stuff he says is wild. But um, uh, I think connect, connecting with your fans uh, it has value. There are there are some owners out there who literally have not spoken to their fans yeah. in a year or a decade. Well, and, and again, the 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 gist of this was he knew after everything Steven Silas had been through this season that he needed to firmly and strongly put all of his support behind a, a rookie head coach who has absolutely been through the ringer and you know, the fact that they're competitive in their losses when they're playing their 29th man, 28th and 29th man, is is somewhat of a minor miracle, no matter who they're playing. Well, competitive in losses. <laughs> what is it? Bontemps 5 and 44? 5 and 44. <laughs> I mean, they're competitive in a lot of losses. <laughs> and and to be and to be clear, I don't I don't think this is on Steven Silas at all. No. I mean, they I you know, I think Steven Silas is gonna be a good coach, but they they're a they're working at a talent deficit, and they've been maximizing their uh, maximizing their loss capabilities. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those two. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists 
who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Speaking of the Rockets, still speaking of the Rockets, let's talk about a well-known former Rocket, Russell Westbrook, who mm. just keeps on chugging. We were on this pod in December and January. Not, you know, I think he sort of turned it around beginning of February-ish. Looking at Russ's stats, looking at his output, I and mean, I know he had been dealing with a hip injury. Quad. Quad. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just like, Whoa, man. Like, yikes. And the way he has played in the last eight weeks or so has been, like, absolutely incredible. And the one thing I'll say, uh, you know, about the triple doubles, back when he was – when he got the triple double average the first time when he was with the Thunder and won the finals – or won the MVP, he was super guilty of chasing a lot of those triple doubles. Um, You know, historically – uh, or, you know, not historically, but, um, uh, you know, famously, uh, Stephen Adams would, like, box everybody out so that Russ could get every missed free throw rebound. Listen, save, save um, Stephen from having to wear his shoulders out there on outlet passes. <laughs> that's right. That's good. That's good long-term thinking. I don't feel like, as I've watched him, I don't feel like he's chasing triple doubles. In fact, he's getting triple doubles in the third quarter. I was going to say, he doesn't have to chase them. I mean, the guy's racking up 13, 18, 21, 12, 17, 19. These are rebounds. These are rebounds. Recently, his assist total, 24, 17, 17, 15, 21, 15. And they have, look, they've lost a couple of close ones to the Hawks, but Beal hadn't played. A couple of weeks ago, we went over our All-NBA team, and Russ was not a candidate really strongly on one of the um, guard spots. Um, time to reevaluate that. And um, he's, he's led the league in I – be- I think this is a correct stat. I forgot where I saw it. I think he's led the league in rebounding and assists since the All-Star break. Led the league in rebounding as a guard. Holy Moses. Let me double check that because I don't want to be given bad info. But I believe one thing I'll tell you one thing I'll tell you that's happened, no matter what happens in the play in tournament for the Wizards, um, I think he saved Scotty Brooks' job. Not yeah. that I think Scotty Brooks was like definitely on the chopping block, but um, you know, they were kind of, you know, in the tank. Uh, you know, they were wrecked by COVID, uh, mm-hmm. that COVID shutdown. Um I think it's a very likely uh scenario that Scotty Brooks gets re-signed for some number of years. I mean, Russ has two years plus an option left on his contract. Um, Russ loves playing for Scott Brooks. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be performing well for Scott Brooks. It would not surprise me at all if Scott Brooks gets a contract that somewhat mirrors what Russell Westbrook has left in Washington just because they want uh, that to happen. Also, Bradley Beal is eligible for a um, for a uh, extension this offseason. Um, if he wants, he can he can add five years um, and two hundred million dollars to his contract. He doesn't have to, but if he's happy and he likes playing with Russ, um, you know it certainly gives him a better chance on that Bon Tempson. And, and um, if Bradley Beal extends, even if he does another extension like he did that he's on right now, which is a short extension, but he takes the 
um, you know, the the Wizards feet out of the fire for the next year as they try to build on this season. Uh, you know, they ought to give Westbrook, uh, a, a, you know, a big kiss on the lips if that's uh, something that he helped contribute to. Well, yeah, look, I mean, Russ has been has been terrific lately. And I was certainly, you know, pretty loudly saying that the, the Wizards were not good at all with him on the court at the beginning of the season. That's because they were not good at all with him on the court at the beginning of the season. And he has been much better of late. But it's funny, like you say that we need to evaluate having Russell Westbrook on the NBA teams. And obviously, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I thought it was surprising that Tim even mentioned him as a candidate. And I still don't think he's even a candidate. And it, it's kind of the it's kind of the dissonance between Russ's like raw stat line on the court and what he's doing in terms of driving winning when you look at sort of the bigger picture numbers. Like Bradley Beal, over the past I looked I just I looked at it up while we were talking. Over the past six weeks, the Wizards are ten points better when Bradley Beal's on the court. They're five points better when Russell Westbrook's on the court. And over the course of the season, even with the way Russell's played over the past few weeks. The Wizards are still worse when he plays than when he sits. Because he was so, so freaking awful. No, I understand. I understand. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're better with him on the bench now. That's clearly not the case, right? But it this is kind of the, the the interesting thing about Westbrook to me is he's sort of become this generation's version of Allen Iverson in that huh. his 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 play on the court is not as good as people think. Uh, like if you go boy, back, God. if you go, well, no, well, I, hold I, on. I, I, let me explain. Just on. let me explain. If you, if you go back and look at Allen Iverson's career, right? Allen Iverson was an unbelievable first ballot Hall of Fame player. Russell Westbrook, unbelievable first ballot Hall of Fame player. But they both were guys that were always going to play a very specific way that was their way and not any other way, right? And sometimes... That led to a lot of success. Allen Iverson won an MVP, got to an NBA Finals. Russell Westbrook won an MVP, got to an NBA Finals. But in the aggregate, that determination and bullheadedness often was as much of a detriment as it was to a compliment to teams winning. And it would it led to their teams having a bit of a ceiling. Well, but I, I don't know I think I Russell agree with that. Well, no, well, hold on. The, the other part of it that I think is interesting and where I do think they are similar is that Allen Iverson is obviously a guy that has massive cultural significance and like in significance from influencing how guys play the game of basketball after he played, right? And I think Russell Westbrook is going to have a similar impact. Like you look at a guy like John Morant. To me, John Morant isn't the same physical like specimen that Russell Westbrook is, but he plays basketball like Russell Westbrook does. He's trying to rip everybody's head off every time he's on the court and plays with that kind of edge. And like you didn't like guys don't play like Russell Westbrook is is like a singular person in his the way he approaches the game and the way he plays. And so like that, that's to me what makes him so fascinating. It's why so many people are such fans of him, because he is this fascinatingly unique player. But I think when you look at him in the aggregate and how his play led to winning, I just don't think it quite adds up with the, what the perception of him is. And that doesn't, again, I think he's a first bout Hall of Famer. I think he's an awesome player. But that's, I, I think of him like Iverson in that respect, in that if you, if you compare Iverson to a bunch of different guys, like I think Steve Nash clearly had a better career than Allen Iverson. But if you say that to a lot of people, yeah. they're going to think you're completely insane. And that's because of how important Allen Iverson is for these other reasons. Well, I think Rachel Westbrook Nichols, is the same kind of guy. Not, she might knock you out. 
Well, it's right. And, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that she's wrong either. It's my opinion of it, but I, I just, I think Westbrook fascinates me because of that. I just, I just think he's a really fascinating figure in our sport. Well, the first thing about Russ, I think that he has an unfair rep of being a guy who prioritizes stats over wins. His teams have won 75% of the games in which he's gotten a triple-double. So how are you telling me him chasing triple-doubles is bad for his teams? If, right. Well, he did chase them in Oklahoma okay, City. Fine. But, I don't but, he, but, but he chased no, them and, I, and, he to chased be, and to be clear, <laughs> And to be clear, I didn't, I didn't say that either, to be clear. I know, but I'm just saying I, I, that, I didn't that's, say that. that's, his, that's a, a rep that is, can be statistically agree, proven as, I, as, as incorrect. Um, I way, agree that that point. I agree that that point is unfair. To be one hundred percent clear. And then, if we're looking at there, now, you, listen. There's some some uh, post KD Thunder playoff flameouts when you know he definitely tried to do too much. Uh, you you can argue that when he got too wrapped up uh, in in Russ versus Dame, or when I I think honestly he just lost faith in uh, in, in Paul George in that Jazz series and decided he was going to try to do too much. Uh, you know, there's some legit criticism there. Um, as far as like his, his season in Houston is always going to be remembered for the bubble flameout. Well, the guy was recovering from COVID and playing on a torn quad. Uh, sure. He had a slow start sure. recovering from a knee surgery, had a spectacular two and a half months where he played MVP caliber basketball, and then seasons paused, COVID, torn quad, and it, you know, it, it is what it is. Just like this year, he was dealing with the torn quad, the change in team, all that early on. Um, but since he's gotten right, I mean, post-All-Star break, he's 24, 13, and 13. By the way, he's he has led the league in total rebounds and total assists since the All-Star break, which is still absolutely insane for a six-foot-three guard. Sure. No question. The thing about Iverson, if Iverson played today, he would be viewed differently, and he would probably play differently. Um, because he was a very inefficient scorer. Right. You know, today we look at efficiency. Like above, Russell Westbrook. Yes, although Westbrook's efficiency has dipped. But when it comes to efficiency, Westbrook, um, you know, it's not even comparable. But when you go back and look at Iverson's seasons, you know, yeah, the dude, was, the dude won uh, four scoring titles. He averaged over 30 points uh, three times. Um, but he shot 42% from his, for his career. And most of the years, his PER was around 20 or 21, which is good, but not first, not, not first bout hall of fame. Now the way his teams were designed in Philly, they had four defensive players in him. Right. And they tried to win games, you know, 86, 81. And then and, and, AI scored 30. And they were defensive players, not three and D players, because that type <laughs> right. didn't really exist back then. So I think if we're it was Aaron be- McKee and Mutumbo and um, you know, I can't remember the other guys. Eric but, Snow. Uh, Eric Snow, who was not Tyron an offensive Hill. player. Right. Um, so again, well, it's look, not a, and like yeah. to me, and it and like like I said, the thing that, that the through line with the two of them to me is that it, it's sort of a their way or the highway situation, right? Like Allen Iverson was always going to do what he was going to do because he thought that was the way that it was best for his teams to win. And there wasn't going to be any conforming to anything. So the Sixers built that team around him because that was the way they had to build a team around him, right? There wasn't going to be any other way to do it. And that's that's always sort of been Russ's thing too in that it's, it's part of what's made him a Hall of Fame player and it's part of what, 
puts a bit of a ceiling out for me because he just and both, he, it's always going to be doing it the way he wants to do it. Uh, both became journeymen after age thirty. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, and by the way, if, by the way, if Russ ever, if if you ever ask Russ to come off the bench, I think he'll last about three games, like AI yeah, did. Well, know. that's <laughs> right. That's that's similar. And look, like you were talking about Iverson's P, Allen Iverson's per. Not that again, per is not an end all be all stat, but a basketball reference. If his per this year is nineteen, while well, he's averaging a triple double. So, like, you know, that sort of that sort of underscores what we're talking about here. But again, like that's this is yeah. why he's such a compelling figure. Like it's. It's he's he's just to me he's just always been a really really interesting player. Well, for last many year, reasons. well, last year when I was doing the All NBA team, my last spot came down to Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, and uh, I put a lot of thought in the All NBA team. There's um, you know I don't want to go over it again. We we went over our thoughts about it a couple weeks ago, but um, ultimately I decided to go with Westbrook because. Um, what he is asked to do or was asked to do every night was a bigger lift than 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 um than just about any guard in the league. Well, maybe not just about any guard in the league, it was a big lift to ask him what he has asked to do. And if you look at what he's asked to do for the Wizards, it's a pretty big lift. It, you know, it may not be the most efficient every time, but um what they count on him for, it's a big, big ask. You know, it's well, kind of like and look. Steph Curry well, is Steph Curry has two MVPs, three championships. I'm not sure he's ever been asked to do more than he's been asked. I mean, to not, do. I mean, I would, I would say, yeah. right. You mean Steph's never been asked to do more than this? Yes. Year. Yeah. Yes. No, for sure. I was just going to say that I agree completely. And look, like, like you said, Tim, go back to last year when Russ was playing great in Houston. Right. Why did he start playing great? Because they traded Clint Capella and they completely reformed their team around Russell Westbrook's skill set. Because otherwise, it wasn't going to work. Right. And like, that's the, it, that's what just makes him so interesting to me. It's just like, he's, he's going to show up and he's, he is always, he as a gamer, he tries to play every game. He plays a lot of minutes. He, he always shows up, but it's also going to be, all right, guys, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it. You all figure out what you're going to do and get out of well, my no, way. It's not you all figure and, out what you're going to do. It's let me tell you exactly what you're going to do too. Cause he's a, oh, no, that, that's a control also, freak, which is also, that's also true. Yeah, I mean, look, yes. that's all part of, there's a lot of things that went wrong in Houston, but part of it was him and Harden, you know, Oh, childhood friends, former OKC teammates. They basically got there and like, we don't really like playing with each other. All right. Well, Westbrook is going to be in the play in tournament. And I got to say some people in my life, um, Sort of like other controversies uh, that we have in our society right now about pro and con certain things, and you're sort of entrenched. Um, there's some people in my life that are pretty at odds with the play-in tournament. I have uh, really? some people who are like, "Oh yeah, I got my one friend who's been a big-time NBA fan since the '90s." Like uh, he said to me, "Well, I'm sure you're, you, know, you hate this play-in tournament, right? I mean, this is ridiculous." And Why? No, I actually kind of like it. Listen, if you're not well, if, you know, if, if if you're not playing for the Lakers or on LeBron's payroll, like how the hell do you not like this? <laughs> when when, when you, is the last time we've had there. more excitement for the last few weeks of a regular season? And so, and then, uh, and then I'm telling you, I, there are people out there who think it's a terrible idea. Well, there's there's a whole lot of idiots in our world. I I you know I, I have sympathy <laughs> for them. But if you're not enjoying McMahon the excitement about this, dude, McMahon is listen. Well, you, okay, so you're I'm me, excited. You're telling me we're going to get six extra games 
in the East, we're, they're going to feature Jimmy Butler, LaMelo Ball, Russell Westbrook. I'm not going to mention any Pacers. In, well, not Jimmy Butler. But oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the Celtics. The Celtics. Jason, Jason Tatum. Tatum, my bad. Uh, in, in, sure. in the West, we're going to have some either LeBron AD or, or, or Luca or Damian Lillard probably ends up being LeBron AD. By the way, real Stephen quick, Bontemps mentioned this to me earlier. People keep talking about um, Steph playing LeBron in the 7-8 game. That's not the most delicious potential matchup. Oh, no. Oh no, no. The, what, the, the, LeBron the, the dream well the dream the dream scenario from a drama standpoint, I would say it's not a dream scenario from the an NBA standpoint, uh from like a league office standpoint, mm-hmm. I should be clear. Uh is on Sunday afternoon on our network, the Memphis Grizzlies are going to play the Golden State Warriors. And yeah. we're doing this before tonight's games. But as long as Memphis wins, either tonight or tomorrow against Sacramento. That game on Sunday will be a play-in game for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. And the reason that matters for people that haven't studied the play-in tournament is if you are the eighth seed, that means you have to win one of two games Mm -hmm. to make it into the playoffs. Whereas if you're the ninth seed, you have to win two games to make it into the playoffs. So it's a huge deal who wins that game. And whoever wins that game, let's say it is Golden State, then the Lakers will play the Warriors. It's almost certainly going to be the Lakers at this point. Uh, sometime next week, probably on Wednesday, I would guess, based off the way the schedule looks. And if Memphis wins that game, you have the potential, if Memphis wins that game against the Lakers and the Warriors beat the Spurs, of having LeBron James versus Stephen Curry loser next goes week home. On, ESP, on ESPN for the loser to go home. Now that will be one hell of a game. If it happens. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the league office. Sign me up for that. Our, the league office, our big bosses. I'm pretty sure they would prefer Lakers 7, Warriors 8, and and then uh, the, the loser of that go on and win Both the next one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which still juicy. Over the, over the Spurs and Grizzlies. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. But I'm telling you, I mean, like my friend says, it's all he's like, that's all the NBA needs is more games. And I'm like. Actually, this Dude, year those, they do need those more are games, games. <laughs> that I'm I'm tuning in for. And then, can you imagine? You're the Jazz. You're the you're the Suns. Say you're the Suns, right? The the Lakers win the the playing game. Oh, great! Your treat for the your best season in forever is you get LeBron and AD in the freaking first round. By the way, Lakers Suns. That's totally a playoff matchup. We would have you know could have forecasted before the season started. You just would have thought, oh, good, the Suns got an eight seed. Good for them. No, the Suns as a two seed, their reward might be LeBron, AD, and the Lakers, the defending champs. And then, you know, the Jazz, I mean, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's, it's Steph, like, dude, that – and by the way, I love Draymond's quote. This ain't We Believe 2.0. We got effing Steph Curry. And he's, he's 100% <laughs> right. I don't care what the Warriors' record is. They're not any little, you know, cute little underdog. They've got freaking Steph no, Curry. no way. No, and listen, like you said, McMahon, you've got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Stephen Curry, John Morant, uh, DeMar DeRozan, Lamelo Ball, Jason Tatum, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, all in this playing tournament. Uh, this is Paris, this Paris. is awesome. Oh, Sabonis. We'll, eh, we'll get Sabonis yeah, a shout-out. The Pacers, Pacers are banged up, but they have some players. But look, this is this is a this is a dream scenario to me for the league. And this, as we've said multiple times on the pod the past few weeks. 
this thing ain't going anywhere. No, no. And this is this is this is this is proof of why you have all these teams and a one-off, and a, flying we, in. We keep talking about the a one-off game for Steph. I mean, put Bradley Beal in a one-off game. Yeah. Well, listen, like the Celtics, the Celtics, the Celtics are going to be hosting one of these teams in the seven-eight game. And if it's if the if the Wizards don't get up there, they damn well better win that seven-eight game because if they're in an eight-nine game. The Wizards beat the other team, and it's Wizards Celtics here next week. There's gonna be a lot of people in Boston not expecting the Celtics to get into the playoffs at all. And, and those, and you so, know, I, I, mean, I feel like Bontemps, you're in Boston, but I feel like um, you tell me if I'm reading this wrong. I feel like it's the Celtics fans who are saying one, two, three, Cancun on this team. Yeah, I think everybody they're, is they're saying everybody, every everybody, everybody is saying one, two, three, Cancun with this team. I mean, they. I mean, look, the Celtics. The Celtics didn't – I mean, there was there was an amusing amount of drama here after the Celtics lost to the Cavs Wednesday night. And, look, the Cavs are terrible, and they've lost a million games in a row. But the Celtics had uh, four of their six best players not playing in the game, and the game really didn't matter on any level. Uh, it did and to I the was Cavs. Just, it did to the yeah. Cavs for their lottery positioning. Um, but I, I was just amused at the amount of, of uh, angst about this loss. It was like, this is the loss – that is drawing all this angst after this entire season of mediocre basketball, this one loss on the second half of back-to-back with four of the six best players out, this is the game that everyone's decided to be out on this team. Well, I mean, they should have been out on this team weeks ago. It's like picking but, one, it's like picking one terrible opinion of yours to get really upset about. Like there's so many, <laughs> how can you pick just one? That's exactly right. Um, in Cleveland, let me tell you the results from that game was um, frustration <laughs> All the way down to amusement Ooh. at Kevin Love. Yeah, right. You t- now you show up. Thanks. Ke- you know, Kevin Love, who I don't even know how to describe this season for Kevin Love, but let me just point out that like two weeks ago, he played an entire game and did not take a shot. Immediately after he blindly smacked an inbounds pass right to a Raptor for a wide open three yes. without even stepping in bounds to right. pretend to give a crap. <laughs> yes. As our as our old colleague Chris Forsberg said to me via text last night after that Celtics Cavs game, literally no one left that arena happy last night, which is which is just a perfect encapsulation. Right. Maybe, 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 maybe Kevin Love. Maybe him. He goes for thirty points, fourteen rebounds, six and nine on threes in a game that um, that was costly for the Cavs. But did he take questions during his 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 Zoom call? That that's what's really important. I believe I, he did. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. I believe I believe he talked after the game. Well, um, you know, nobody can admit. I mean, it's it's um, it's verboten to say anything. But I would love to have. I would love to have um, been in the uh, in the Cavs front office uh, uh, suite as Kevin was hitting three after three after three <laughs> in that game. Um, well, it, well, and, and it's funny too. So the cat, the reason that was so, that was so costly to the Cavs was they were in a three way tie with the Thunder and the Magic for the third least win, for the third least amount of wins in the league. They all twenty one for wins. the lottery match. If they all en- and if they had all ended the season with twenty one wins, they would have done coin flips to determine the order from third to fifth. But the the pool of odds from third to fifth all would have been the same. They would have split them all evenly. So rather than you know, as it, if everybody has different records, the top three, the, the worst three records all have the same chance of moving up in the lottery. Well, if three to five are tied, you take the odds from third, fourth, and fifth, you split them evenly, and everybody has the same chance. Now, the Cavs are down in a tie with Minnesota, I think, for the fifth most, for the fifth least wins. So they're they're now splitting fifth and sixth instead of splitting third, fourth, and fifth, which is going to be a significant difference. So, you know, that's a that's a big hit to their chances to jump up. 
The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Speaking of the play in tournament, um, something interesting happened in the WNBA yesterday that could have NBA ramifications. The WNBA announced that this year they're going to have a mid-season tournament. And it is going to be called the Commissioner's Cup. And they have sold the rights to televise it to Amazon. Um, Bob Temps, do you know the format for that midseason tournament? Did they announce that? Uh, they did. I was in the middle of uh, double checking, uh, I think, in here, what it, how exactly it's going to go. Well, this um, is what Adam Silver wants for the NBA. He wants it for the same reason he wanted to play in tournament. Is it um, adds intrigue, gives something else um, for teams to win, and most importantly, gives the league something else to sell, like they just sold to Amazon. Um, I don't know if and when he can pull this off, but this is what he would like to have. Um, he would like to reduce the amount of regular season games, and in addition to the play in tournament, put this in. And um, call it, it the call it the Stern Cup. He's already kind of hinted that he wants to call it the Stern Cup. It it appears what the what the format is, and my apologies for getting this wrong. I'm looking through the release and trying to put it together. I believe they're going to take ten of the already existing regular season games, and uh, each of the six teams in each conference are going to play home and road games against the other five, and whoever has the best record from the East and West will play against each other in this championship game. So they're going to sort of take it out of the pool of regu- current regular season games rather than adding more games to the schedule. See, I think this is a tough sell to the American sports fan because it's 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 like, oh, that game between the Bucks and Pistons on November 2nd, that's an NBA regular season game. But the game between the Bucks and Pistons on December 1st is in the Stern Cup. Yeah, that that's weird to me. Um, it's, I don't know. I've got to see. It's very. This, this is what they do in European soccer. Uh, two teams, um, two teams can play each other the same week in different competitions. With one being sort of a regular season game, and one like being for the Champions League semifinal. It happened a couple of years ago I'm, between Man City. I'm a simple and man. Tottenham. <laughs> yes, you don't, are. Don't, don't make don't make me think that much. I don't know, man. Well, listen, I, you're I a simple you're a simple guy, and if we'd said to you a year or two ago. Uh, what about the idea of having a playing tournament at the end of the regular season? I suspect you would have said, ah, I don't want to deal with this playing tournament nonsense. Who needs that crap? We'll just have the eight teams make the playoffs. And 
now you're incredibly fired up about this playing tournament. And I think. Well, what's, what's the perk of this? Well, like, well, there's a couple. So the obvious, the, as we know, the NBA is always trying to make more money, right? And the obvious perk yes. of this from the NBA standpoint is look at this playing tournament. They are selling this playing tournament to our network and to TNT. They all get extra games. We're just, we just talked about all these big matchups in these games, right? That, that's okay, something. Well, how, what's the perk well, for teams well, hold, and fans? Well, hold on. The, they're going to be able to sell this playing tournament and make more money from it. Why? Okay, by, I get the playing tournament. It, Tell me about the story. I know. There, you have the, this, this is a vehicle that they can use to sell more TV rights and therefore make more money. And as part of the sell to the players in this is that the WNBA players are playing for a bunch of money. They're making a big Man, prize pool. And they are players. The winning team get a minimum of thirty grand. I mean, we can you know inflate that for NBA, obviously. Runner up, ten grand. MVPs gets five grand. Whatever. Like the pot would be bigger for the NBA. Okay. Listen, I don't think fans cheer for. Oh wow, this super <laughs> rich guy is going to get a bonus. No. Why do fa- why will fans give a crap? I think that's what I'm asking. Why will fans give a crap? It's a good question. I think that actually is the biggest challenge that they have. I think that you could see teams sort of like in European soccer. I think you could see teams that aren't necessarily going to be contending for championships sort of sell out to win this thing as a way to say we won something. going to sniff a midseason tournament, midseason tournament win. I mean, there are teams that hang, there are teams that, there are teams that hang division banners in arenas. A lot of teams. Right, Tim. So, like, why will fans give a crap? You've yet, like, because so well, they can, because so they can hang a piece of freaking laundry that well, no one gives a crap. Well, about? like, I'll, you I'll, can't. I'll, I'll use a division freaking banner as a bath towel. I don't give a crap just, about that. I'm just, I'm just saying, you can't. I agree with. I think that's the biggest challenge for the league. I agree with your position. How do you sell this to the fans? But I think now, can they can they throw something in there that would give some sort of a competitive advantage? Yeah, I think uh, long term. I mean, look, you uh, could give, give fans a reason to give a crap. You have to give fans I, yeah, a reason. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the biggest challenge to it. Now, it, it, maybe you make it that if you win the play, you win this tournament, you get a playoff spot. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's or you win this in season tournament, you get a playoff spot. Maybe if you win this in season season tournament, you get a lottery pick. You know, something like that. Who knows what they do. Um, why the, then why do the players care about it? They don't care about lottery picks. Well, to, I I know. Well, I think they they care. They make the money pot big enough, and they'll yeah. Care. I think I think the the money is the money is how you get people to care about it. And look to your point about fans caring about it. If you start, if this becomes something that becomes part of the league over time, I think fans will care about it over time. It's it's not. It might not be something that any everybody is immediately into. But look, like. If there's a if there's an in season tournament where all these teams play and you have a you know a, a one off game between LeBron and Steph say for the you know the Stern Cup mm-hmm. and like that becomes a thing people care about I, like people will get into that and people will want I've to win. I've got an idea. That. I've got an idea. The second round is determined by performance in this in this Stern Cup. If you win it, you get the first pick of the second round, and, and so on and so forth. Could I mean that would at least could, be interesting. You could do that. I mean, look, I think there's there's ways for them to come up with doing it. But to me, to Brian's initial point about it, the most interesting thing about this announcement, and I had a couple people in the league hit me about it too, was that Adam Silver has talked about this for years as something the league wants to do, and to see the WNBA announce it as the playing tournament has been a massive success 
that everyone agree, like I, I guess Brian knows some people who don't like it, but for the most part, people have loved it, and the league is clearly in love with the reaction to it. And Amazon, which you know people in the league think could be in the mix for rights in the next TV rights deal, is getting in the mix, paying for rights to this thing. It feels like this is a blueprint for what the NBA could try to do in some form in the next few years here down the road to have another revenue you know, stream I've got for the, the league. Feeling- I got the feeling whoever came up with the playing idea that despite LeBron's wishes that 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 person will not be fired. <laughs> well, that would be Evan Wash, I think, in the league strategy group. And no, I don't think he'll be I fired do not, at all. I do not favor a midseason tournament. Um, I think one of the reasons why it's so compelling in Europe is that um, a lot of the matchups that end up happening are matchups that would never happen otherwise. Both the super high end, Real Madrid plays Bayern Munich. Man City plays Barca. FC Milan plays, you know, Chelsea. That doesn't happen in the NBA. The Lakers are playing the Celtics twice a year no matter what. Um, What I do favor, and I have been talking about... Well, but this would be a chance for them to potentially play a third time, which would be interesting. I think it's a tougher sell. I, again, will say what I've said for 15 years now is that I favor having all 15 teams have a chance to play in for the playoffs. Um, I think it should be the top seven seeds make it. Um, uh, the other, I, I like the double elimination for the seven and eight seed to protect them a little bit. I like the way they've done it this year. I have no complaint at all. But I have long favored seven seeds from each conference are into the playoffs and then everybody else, the eight teams on each in each seed in each conference that don't make it in the initial, have a three game playoff single elimination. See, I I really don't like that because like a that, conference tournament. I really dislike that honestly because I, like what what has been the difference with having the playing tournament this year down the stretch? It's been that yeah, the, the, there's the tenth place matter. That's right. There's been stakes to these games. Right. Well, it, yeah. it, I mean, it, do you do you, when you play in the tournament? Do you want to play the eighth seed, or do you want to play? You want to be the eight playing the fifteen, or do you want to be the twelve playing? Yeah. The t- I just don't. I don't I, think that. I'm just telling you to 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 circle back to our Rockets conversation. My eyeballs have seen enough Houston Rockets basketball this year. Yeah. Like, let, I don't need to see anymore. I don't. That. I don't think I don't, that's the well. Way then, to go. well, then let's cancel the conference tournaments in college basketball. Like Georgetown, nobody needed to see more Georgetown basketball this year, right? I I don't well, think that's I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's nearly I don't think that's the right comparison um for me. I, I don't I don't well, think the conference Why do conference tournament. tournaments in the NCAA exist? Conference I mean I mean to drive television contracts mostly. That's but, right. Well, um, why what, for the for the what, experience of the student athlete. What's the point of the midseason tournament? I the, it's to do I'm that. To figure that out. I mean, listen. I mean, I think- I mean you, you're you're running a um, you know they're going to have to have like a, a round. They're going to have to have like a uh, a contest within the league office. Somebody come up with some stakes for this thing. I um, I've, I've said a few times. I think that's their biggest challenge. But I, to me, I'm let. It's less me selling to you guys the idea that this is a good idea or that it's going to happen. Or I, I shouldn't say that. It's me. It's less me selling this as like this is a boffo idea that should definitely happen, and Bafo. more saying, and more saying, if you look at what the WNBA is doing here and the league is doing by announcing this Commissioner's Cup, this is a roadmap for the NBA doing something like it. Of course, in the future, like, that's that's the important part. Just like the um, 
the G League team that they're putting in Mexico City that they just That's announced right. they're finally going to bring uh, next year. Speaking of speaking yeah. of bad ideas, is going to be a uh, trial run to put an NBA well, team that, in there, and that's all about and that's all about money too. You that's know, right. Ultimately, that's the way this is going to go. All right. Well, thank you, McMahon. Thank you, Bontemps. Uh, thank you to Tony, our producer. Thanks for listening. Um, we got the playoffs starting next week because, in my view, the we got the play-in starting next week, baby, buddy. I think I call the play-in tournament the playoffs. Somebody else wants to take uh, issue with me on that? Go ahead. As far as I'm concerned, that's when the playoffs. It's gonna starts. feel it's gonna feel like a playoff game if LeBron and Steph are I playing next it. Friday night to make the playoffs. I call it the the, the King James Invitation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. I'm sure they should give a trophy just to make LeBron come out and accept it. A big crown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for listening, Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos.